All right. Today we've got Pilar Junko. Pilar, thanks so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. This is super exciting and, uh, you know, great job that you're doing here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right. Let's start uh, with the standard question. Refresh our memory. What were you doing prior to INSEAD and what have you been up to for the last 20 years? Good. So prior to INSEAD, I was an investment banker at JP Morgan in London and in New York. I was uh, focused on uh, structuring cash flows, basically take any cash flows and put them into a vehicle or synthetically um, build a a credit default structure to help a company or a bank or whatever to generate these cash flows. So I was sort of a one-trick pony uh, doing that for Europe and then Latin America. And before that, I also moved around everywhere because I'm a diplomat's child. So, uh, you know, um, was born here in Spain, but never really left here properly until um, until four years ago. What kind of places um, did you did you live as as a diplomat's child? Um, so I was born in Madrid, as I said. Then we lived in uh, El Salvador. Then um, spent a lot of time in Germany. Um, that's where I picked up German and uh, went into the German school system from that top point onwards. Uh, and then we lived in the in the what's well, now Congo. Uh, you know, back then it was called Zaire. And, and then at the point when my parents moved to the newly formed Ukraine, that's when I stopped living with them. But I would sort of, that would be home for me every time I went back and forth. And then they continued, they lived in Cuba, in Greece, in Portugal, in Switzerland, and I forget something, somewhere else anyway. But now they're retired and they're back here in Madrid. Wow, that's, that's, one, that's amazing. Um, and then I, I uh, you know, after five years of uh, absolutely work very hard and, and play hard, you know, it was a lot of fun as well, uh, I decided to uh, to see what's out there. And so I went to insert a, a little bit of like a, like a break from that intensity of investment banking and uh, just open some doors and figure out what, what else was out there, what else I could do, and, uh, and, but, but also take a break. I, my aim when I went to INSEAD was to open doors, but also not kill myself trying to be the best in the class, but really sort of do a lot of stuff. And you might recall, I, I, you know, if there was something to organize, I got it organized. And uh, I had originally started my career as a financial journalist in the Financial Times. That never went anywhere because I wasn't very good. But then I didn't say I had a lot of fun sort of, you know, editing the newspaper. Well, this, this is this is before the investment banking stuff. You were you were a financial journalist. Yeah. So I when when we moved to Kiev before I started university, I spent six months, uh, you know, hanging out Kiev just after. It had become the country had become independent, and I became friends uh, with a lady that um, her name is Krista Freeland. She's now the vice president of Canada, but back then she was a stringer for the Financial Times and the Economist in Kiev because she's of Ukrainian background, though she's Canadian. And I would follow her around, trying to figure out how she did her stories. And um, soon after that, I was moving to London to uh, do my second university degree. And I said to her, I want to become like you. I want to become a journalist. And she gave me the number of her editor, a guy called Quentin Peel. And I literally, when I moved to London the next day, I started putting coins into a phone box, uh, calling him every day, leaving him messages with his assistant saying, I speak five languages. I would work for free. Can I have a job at the Financial Times? And so most during most of my studies at university in London, I actually worked at the FT, uh, at the editorial desk. I wrote a few stories, uh, but but you know English wasn't my first language, and I also didn't know very much about finance. So I wrote an article one day that was picked up by um, a friend who was a trader at J.P. Morgan. He traded on the back of that story and it made a lot of money. He told his boss, "I knew the girl. I know the girl that wrote the article. She's dating my flatmate." 
Uh, he's my now my husband. Uh, but uh, and and so I got an interview at J.P. Morgan, and they made me an offer. And so I went back to the to the desk, and I said to my editor, "Oh, what do I do? I've got this internship at J.P. Morgan." And he's like, oh, "Go go there." You know, a a we have to rewrite everything you write because your English is still still not good enough. But you know, get it'll get there. And then you need to learn about finance a little bit more. So why don't you spend a bit of time in banking? But the problem was that once you go into banking, you know, you just get hooked on, you know, on the job and the money and all that kind of stuff. So, but then remember when I went back to INSEAD, I wrote uh, a diary for the Financial Times, uh, an MBA diary. So I stayed in touch with all that crew and I still uh, see a lot of the journalists and, um, you know, help them whenever I can. It's, it's, a, it's a great house. But anyway, my career as a journalist failed and I became a banker and then I needed a break at INSEAD. Um, and that was that. Interesting. Uh, interesting. <laughs> there you go. There's All right. So now, now you've, you've got INSEAD. What have you been doing for the last 20 years? Mm. So after INSEAD, what I knew, I, what I knew I didn't want to do was go back to banking, even though they, they, you know, there were, there were offers that I had either to go back to JP or, or join another bank, but I didn't want to go back in there. And what I wanted to do is to continue the learning curve. I, what I had enjoyed at INSEAD was just, you know, learning about operations and marketing and, you know, talent management and all these things. So um, I applied for I applied to consulting, which I guess a lot of people wanted to get out of and I actually wanted to get in. And I also knew I wanted to move back to London where I had lived before. So I um, I remember uh, Peter Legekert helping me to prepare my interviews uh, uh, for, for BCG. And I and BCG London made only one offer that year out of INSEAD and, and I got that one and I decided to join them. So I spent three years at BCG London, uh, mostly helping financial services companies, banks, and all that in asset managers. Uh, but it was great because you didn't get that. You didn't get that far from banking. Let's be honest. No, no, I didn't get. You know, of course, with my background, that was the logical thing for me. I did do one healthcare integration deal or something, but uh, it was a great learning school. I think I also remember thinking I was probably one of the very few people that earned less after INSEAD than before INSEAD or something, you know. <laughs> you know, I, th I think a lot of people did that. Yeah, you know, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal. I, I love the fact that I could, you know, join such a great firm and spend, you know, spend three years just learning and, and, and expanding my horizon and my network and all that. But then, you know, I was also very commercial. I would bring them clients and they said, oh, you're too junior to think about selling projects. You know, you need to focus on doing the projects. And and in the back of my mind, I always wanted to go back to doing commercial stuff. Um, is, is, is that normal for a consulting company? I thought that was always I don't know the, if it was, the, the goal of everybody to, to yeah. in, order, in order to get a partner. Yet you have to, you would have need to have already brought on. Yeah, but I was client. just after business school. I was the equivalent okay. of an associate. I, I was promoted to project leader at one point. But it wasn't, you know, there's a, there was a stage and BCG is a super well-run organization. I mean, they know exactly where they need to lead you and stuff. But um, but it was amazing. Uh, I, I only have good, good words for that. And. Uh, what what happened was um, uh, a lot of my JP friends had left JP and they become hedge fund managers. You know that you know classic thing to do. You know and this is this pre GFC, so there was a lot of exuberance, especially in London. And so I had one uh, good buddy who had moved to a big hedge fund, and uh, I knew the head trader there because I had, had interned at his desk at JP in '96. So. Uh, they started interviewing me about this position they were looking to fill that was kind of a COO, you know, to sort of help the growth of the hedge fund business and the, all the strategies they were running, but at the same time, not be on the deal side. <laughs> you know, I was, it, it was very flattering. I thought, wow, this is really incredible. This could, you know, lead me somewhere. 
uh, not that you would, you know, had you asked me back then what a hedge fund was, I probably wouldn't have known very well what it was. But anyway, it was the position and the, the, the deal was very interesting, but I didn't know what to ask for in terms of money. I was like, you know, what do you, what do you get paid for something like that? So at the time, my then fiance was uh, interviewing to change jobs and they, he was interviewing through Egon Zender, who was in the same building as BCD London at the time. And he says, just go upstairs and go see this uh, this headhunter I'm talking to. They might be able to advise you. And I literally like took the lift up and sat down with this guy. And I said, oh, you know, my fiance is working with you to change jobs. He was being poached. And um, I'd like you to help me with this. And the guy looked at me. He's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to a hedge fund. There's this firm called Blackstone. Have you ever heard from them? I'm like, this rings a bell? You know, what, you know yeah, yeah, they're the ones that they did them did this deal. And, and they're like, they're just across here. The Square and Mayfair, why don't you go see them? They're looking for somebody exactly like you. They look for somebody who has a finance and consulting background and they need a COO for Europe. They're talking, this is 2006. And uh, I literally, that afternoon, literally, they picked the phone. He called this partner at Blackstone across the street. That afternoon, I went and had coffee with him. Now being a one and a half hour conversation. The same day, the same day as you went up the elevator. The same day. And literally, two, two weeks later, I was at Blackstone. And the role that uh, they had given me was this sort of very amorphous, nondescript, no job description, COO Europe thing where they said, look, all these deal partners at Blackstone in Europe, they just want to do deals. Like um, they've, they've got all this deal flow and they have other stuff on their desk and they don't want to have to deal with all that other stuff on their desk. And um, and I had fallen in love with everybody that I met in that organization. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the dynamics of that place when I went in there for the first time were, were unbelievable. I mean, everybody I met in the, in the process, which was a very fast process, but I did still meet something like 15 people in that process. Um, they were smart, fast paced, very interested, very commercial. And, you know, I thought I want to work here. This sound, this place looks amazing. And, uh, Blackstone Europe back then, probably we were about 30 people. Um, there was sort of, you know, the PE and the real and how estate many, hold teams. On. How many people are you now? I know you've grown a bunch. How many people are there I, now? I'm not at Blackstone yet? anymore, by the way. So, uh, okay, they, but how uh, many people are there now? Just, just uh, for, for, for comparison. Thousands. Says. I mean, I don't, yeah. you know, I think London alone must be thousands five. thousands of people. Yeah, but London must be 500 now. You know, when I left, it was over 350. I left four years ago. Um, and they had these big ambitions to grow all their verticals in Europe. And they, um, also had to organize all their sort of infrastructure around, uh, the deal businesses. So HR and recruiting. So my first recruit was actually ahead of recruiting because we were going to grow so much that we needed to have lots of people coming through the door. Um, you know, we, um, you know, all this sort of central functions that were built around and, and we were, you know, this was a secret back then, but it was, we were preparing to go public so we had to organize the place uh, to go public. So uh, literally no day was like the, the, other, the other day. It was Every day was something different. And there was um, the to-do list was endless. And I basically spent the first month there just meeting everybody and just give, you know, asking them, what are you doing that I could be helping you with and putting together my own job description, basically. Then at the end of that month, I organized an offsite. We went... Uh, to a wonderful location, we did you know a half day of saying, okay, this is what I've put on my to-do list. What do you think? Yeah, great, you know, get on with it. And then um, that's what uh, then you know I think those first three years as a as a CEO there were unbelievably fast paced. The company went public. We were doing all of these deals, and then literally I had my first baby. And um, and when I was coming back from maternity leave, I said, look, I really want to have a bigger role when I come back because 
what I had set up was effectively running on its own. So I was sort of supervising functions as opposed to doing them myself. And I sort of was thinking maybe I could do something else. Maybe I could do more. And um, that first baby coincided with the global financial crisis. And when I literally came back two days after Lehman had collapsed. And, um, you know, there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of unknowns. And one of the things that was clear that we needed to do was talk to our investors in Europe. Back then, Blackstone in Europe didn't have an investor relations function. They, you know, Blackstone still owned a placement agent back then that was called Park Hill. And we were uh, using Park Hill's group in Europe to talk to our investors. And so one of the things that I got very quickly involved with after you know, that that was all going on was to speak to these investors. And they brought over a partner from New York to set up that investor relations function. She sat in the office next to me. She's still a mentor, by the way. She's this unbelievable woman. And uh, she literally, you know, peeked into my office and she said, you speak all these languages, you know, every one of our portfolio companies, you know, the company inside out, you're going to start traveling with me to cover investors in Europe. And uh, that was incredibly fun. You know, we we I, I literally put together a list of the top 100 pockets of capital in Europe, and I said we need to talk to all of these people, existing or not existing investors. And um, this lady, her name is Mary Frances Metric. As I said, she's um, she was she told me everything I know, and I do my job now. And she took a lot of time to teach me. Uh, what the job was all about. Uh, she uh, then decided in 2010 to leave. So in 2010, I had my second baby only 18 months apart, the first and the second one. That um, uh, second baby was was uh, was problematic. It was you know, we 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 had we went through a whole drama because uh, the baby had a, a congenital heart defect that needed oh, full full time so, you know full surgery shortly after birth. It was life or death. You know. You, Oh, I, I, I'll spare you the details, but the the, the the fact was that Blackstone was unbelievably good at supporting me during that process. Uh, I was able to come back. You know, he, you know, the baby's absolutely fine. I mean, this is a a kid that's now living a life that's totally normal. So we had, uh, but we had that process. And then when I came back to the role, the question mark was, you know, are you going to want to do work less? Or you know, I was like, no, 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 no. I, I actually, I still want to do what I do, and I want to do more. And and she turned around and she's like, well, actually, you're going to have to do more because I'm leaving and I'm leaving you in charge of all this. <laughs> so very quickly. All the investor relations stuff. All the investor relations stuff in Europe. Mm-hmm. So I, bo- I put together a team. Um, it, you know, it was so much that obviously we needed to have other people. I mean, that's that's clear. And so mm-hmm. a lot of those people that uh, I hired in that period have now uh, gone on, either left back or still there, and they're still they're doing amazingly well. And that's one of the things that I probably feel more, most proud of is the is that talent, you know, that we were able to develop. And as I said, you know, I had this great mentor and I've always tried to to um, to mentor other people and make sure that they grow. Anyway, so um, it was that period after the second baby and the investor relations stuff that happened back then was also very in- exciting because Steve Schwartzman had decided to move to Europe for for a period of time. So mm. he, uh, he literally called me and he said, keep me busy. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I mean, and he's unbelievable. I mean, this, this is a, uh, incredible, uh, entrepreneur and, uh, he had founded Blackstone and he, and I was able to travel with him for, I think the period for six months, I think we went to see about 50 investors together. Some of them, you know, I said, Steve, it's going to be a first date. I have n- nobody's ever met this LP. We have to open this door. Uh, and then some of them were about sort of winning tickets. And so it was a super exciting period, worked extremely hard. 
um, you know, those were years of incredible intensity and Blackstone was just, you know, taking off. I mean, it was like, it was, you know, everything was just incredible. And there were tough years, by the way. I mean, uh, 09, 10 fundraising in, in Europe was like, just, you know, squeezing blood out of stones. So, so incredibly good schooling in that, you know, nothing that you do comes easy and that, you know, you, you have to put the time and you have to put your, you know, you have to be in front of clients to get things done. And well, not was, to mention what it's like to be in an organization that basically 10 X's in, in the time that you're there. Right? And new ideas. And I would get calls and say, we're coming up with this new investment idea. Can you fund that, find us money for it? And I mean, mm-hmm. the, again, you know, no day was like the other. And that's one of the best things I've enjoyed about my career, just the variety of it and the excitement and the constant sort of, you know, influx of, of, of opportunities, no? Okay, so you're, um, you're at Blackstone for how long? 13 years. So um, I guess then in, in, in 2012, um, w- what Blackstone had thought of very early on is tapping into private wealth. And private. Okay. So, if you think about the this, and there's as much money in the world of institutional pockets as there is is in the pockets of rich people. And ironically, if you are a pensioner in California, uh, because you have your pension with uh, CalPERS or CalSTRS or somebody like that, you are invested in private equity. But if you're a rich person in California, you know, a few years ago, either you're extremely rich and therefore you have a sophisticated family office and you can invest in private equity and sign these minimum ticket sizes that these funds usually ask for, which is 10, 20 million. And you have the access, by the way, which is another dynamic. And usually then you're not such an important LP because <coughs> you're small. You know, um, the, the, the dynamic was that, you know, we figured out very quickly, this is a pocket of capital we need to find a way to get into. And they had, at Blackstone, they had started setting up the, in the years prior to 2012, 2013, a, a team in the U.S. just focused on the distribution of private equity products. And private equity, I mean real estate and private debt and infrastructure and all that, but reaching that capital through private banks or broker dealers <coughs> and organizing the infrastructure that comes with it. You know, when just you, instead of distributing directly to large LPs, you're distributing to much, much smaller LPs. So you, you need an infrastructure technological team-wise that comes with it. And the partner that was leading that um, was coming all the time to Europe to figure out how they did the rest of the world outside of the U.S. Because the U.S., it's a unique animal. It's one tax system, one language, one currency, and then you have the rest of the world. And because I was covering Switzerland at the time, I would be the one traveling with them to and say, well, you know, Swiss private banks and UK private banks, nothing to do with the US broker dealers. It's like two different worlds and two different universes. And I would explain to him the differences in the tax system and the legal system and the regulations in the way that even clients, rich people think about money outside of the US and the differences with Asia and money and all that kind of stuff. And then he, um, I remember he was, uh, he and I were having dinner in Switzerland. He turned around to me and was like, why don't you do it? I mean, I'm trying to hire somebody to do it, but you should do it. And uh, I, I looked at him as like, what does it mean? You know, that, that would have been my third role at Blackstone of, of building something from scratch. And, uh, you know, we figured it out. He was extremely supportive and the management of Blackstone was extremely supportive. So I, you know, for, I think for a whole year I did two jobs, um, which almost killed me because I think I did uh, like, something like 350 client meetings that year, which was not easy. Uh, I, I achieved statuses at airlines that I didn't even know existed. Uh, <laughs> and I got pregnant with my third, third child, you know, as, wow. you know as, you, as you say, you can't land two planes at once, but apparently you can. And, and so, um, um, so, I, you know, 2013, uh, you know, I did the switch. And uh, for me, that was an important switch because it, 
I had the faith in the brand and I had the faith in the organization being able to, for me to build something around it. So you put together a business plan, you start hiring a team and then you start implementing it. Uh, as I said, I had in between there, I had my third child. So I had to be in maternity leave for a little while and then I came back. Um, and then the adventure started and, um, that was my longest, um, job within Blackstone, you know, within the sort of 13 years I spent there. And that was also my path to partnership there. I think that was important for, 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 for me to, to demonstrate that I could, you know, create a PNL and that it was, and, and to, uh, to make sure I heard you, I heard you right. This was the, the process of attacking, uh, family offices just within Europe or, no, or even worldwide? high net worth. You know, even okay. people with, you know, I'd say starting capital depends on the bank. Some banks have a starting capital for their private banks of 50 million and above, and some of them go down to five. Um, but the, the concept, Joe, that I loved was the idea of democratizing the asset class. I mean, this was an asset class that was really only available, as I said, to ultra sophisticated family offices or the institutional market. And, and I had this firm conviction that this is an asset class that also should be accessible to other people that want to diversify their holdings away from the typical 60-40 portfolio, fixed income and equities. And this is a super exciting high return asset class done well with the right managers. This is really- How far down the pyramid did you go? I mean, what, what kind of net no, worth at Blackstone, are you actually- we didn't go that low, but what I'm doing now is we're going much lower. I mean, that this, okay. this, okay. So this, demo- this democratization of the asset class has become a very usual trend. Back when I was starting this 10 years ago, this there was, you know, us and a few others who were doing it really. And, and Blackstone has led the way. I mean, I, I forget the numbers, but I think it's a quarter of the trillion that they manage now it comes from this channel. And one of the things that we had to develop was completely new products as well. So the, I, know, I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's a lot of talk about semi-liquids now. So that was a concept that was uh, developed at Blackstone. And so, uh, in fact, my, 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 my largest project there was launching this, you know, a semi-liquid real estate fund outside of the U.S. Uh, and, and I didn't resign until we had done that. That was a very important milestone for us as a firm. But it was a lot... Um, and I, by the way, I took over responsibility of Asia as well. So I was running outside of the U.S. all the distribution wow. with private banks out there, and I built a team in Asia. And I had actually wanted to move back to Asia. Uh, you know, that was a you know after Singapore, INSEAD, it was an, a region that I loved. And and um, unfortunately, my husband, you know, wasn't game for the right reasons. By the way, um, but you know, he <laughs> said, "Look, if you want to take on this bigger responsibility and go out there, you know, I, I've got it covered." Um, so, uh, so I, it would allow me to go out to, uh, Asia a lot. I would do road shows in China to meet all these sort of, you know, su- super successful entrepreneurs and give them access to our funds, you know, Japan, Australia, you name it. I mean, it was unbelievably busy, but unbelievably exciting as well. Um, but I guess, um, you know, 13 years of this super fast pace and, you know, the, you know, you hear my enthusiasm, but, you know, it wasn't always easy, you know, with, with three kids that were growing up and my husband also has a big role and, uh, you know, we were managing very well. And, uh, but at the same time, it was, it was, it was hard. Um, and, you know, I don't want to oversell the fact that it's, uh, it stretched us at times. Uh, and I think in my case, it probably stretched me to a point where my body at one point said basta. So uh, in fact, I had a bit of a scare um, at, at a point where uh, I was sort of, as I said, always used to say, I was touching the stars. You know, I had made the, the partnership, you know, everything was, super, you know, on paper looked amazing. Um, but that gave me uh, some thought and like, you know, what do I want to do? How do I want to live my life? How, you know, I enjoy working. I enjoy what I do, but can I do this, but also have a more balanced life? Um 
and you know luck you know sometimes the universe aligns things and uh at the same time as i was uh thinking about these things my biggest client in Spain, which is the organization I work in now, um, um, the founder was in London and he was having dinner and he had lunch with me and he said, we have this idea of internationalizing this firm. It's a Spanish firm. It's an alternative manager, solution provider. Uh, would you consider coming and joining us and uh, and doing this with us? And I said, look, first I have to make sure that I leave Blackstone in a way that is civilized. You know, look, I love this firm. It's I need to do it the right way, and, and and it took me a year, over a year, to actually, uh, you know, actually physically leave London and Blackstone and everything. Uh, and then I also need to deliver a few milestones here that are important. Um, uh, but you know, sounds exciting. And they gave me the option to, um, they gave me the option, like my and my new partners here, to buy into the firm. So I came in as an equity partner, and we uh, internationalize, and we're in the process of internationalizing Altamar, with Altamar CIM, which is the firm I work in now. What, what what year is this? What when did you make the move? So that was two thousand eighteen nineteen. So I actually left in nineteen. Um, and Blackstone was amazing. I mean, they realized, okay, you know, get it. You know, this is you know, it's 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 you wanting to make this decision um, to, and and look, it was important um, because my parents had by then retired. My in laws, who are also former diplomats, had retired, and. Uh, my children were three little British kids, which lovely, but you know, not what we wanted, honestly. And here in Madrid, we were able we were able to live. Uh, you know, we live ten minutes walk from my in laws and my parents. I live ten minutes walk from the office, and you know, the life change has been unbelievable. I mean, so so happy. I mean, I, you live in Southern California. I don't have to tell you how important the weather is. And the, and uh, we made another big change is we bought a farm. So we now have on the weekends, we tend to, we have uh, 300, 400 goats, depending on how many babies are born. And we make uh, goat cheese and we make honey and we produce organic, orga- all sorts of organic produce. And that's where we are very, very happy. So a goat farm. It's, you've got a goat yeah, farm. A goat farm. It's an estate. I mean, anyway, if you've got big plants oh, for lovely. it. So that's my life project. But importantly, professionally, uh, it was amazing to join this this super firm that you know there was sort of a lead, the, the leader in Spain for for um, alternative investments or private markets investing, and um, uh, they gave me a ton of responsibility to sort of lead the client side here and this internationalization project, which is both organic, so we've been expanding and gaining more clients in Europe, but also now in Asia, and, you know, grow, well, taking... When you say what, internationalizing, do you mean internationally in terms of what projects Spain, they invest in? From Spain, yeah. Or, so the, or the investor base, Yeah, no, find, finding investors, Joe. So the, when I joined the firm, the investor base was 90% Spain and a bit of Latin America, and, and now it's like over, you know, 50-50 Spain and Latin America and 50 percent rest of the world and then we've also grown inorganically so we're doing some MA because in our segment of the market which is i would say the private market solutions providers um there's there's you know there's more to do um more, more to do there and we have we did one integration with a german firm uh two years ago which i spent a lot of time on because you know my background i speak fluent german and uh, i spent a lot of time there and now we're, we, you know, we recently announced that we uh, a firm called a private equity firm called Permira, uh, one of their funds has invested in our equity. They, they you know, they've invested forty percent in the equity of uh, our company, and they are helping us on the way to, you know, to this next growth phase that we're on, which is very, very exciting. It's unbelievably exciting, and I can do this all from Madrid. Obviously, I still travel a lot. But I can do this uh, um, f- from Madrid with, you know, 10 minutes walk from my office and, and uh, with my children being 
surrounded by family and we have massive extended families here and, you know, in this lovely weather and with logistics that are much easier than the logistics in London were. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic, Pilar. This is like a true uh, INSEAD story. This is, this is, uh, this is wonderful. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you. As, as as a punctuation mark, uh, I'd like to ask the, this sort of two part question: um, Is there anything that the community can do to help you, and vice versa? Are there are are there ways you you might be able to help the community, which in terms of what you've done in the past, or or what what you're looking to do? So a um, couple of things. Of course, if you are looking to invest in private markets and you want to do it via a platform that is more democratized, so we, we go down, as you were asking earlier, I know our, our, the kind of clients we cover are sort of the, you know, the legs level down from the typical large sovereign wealth funds or typical large public pension funds. That, a number. You know, Give me yeah. a number. What's, what, what kind of net worth uh, we are we have, about? Oh, No, no. I mean, we, we have clients that come in at 125,000 euros, for instance. So, um, you know, that is that, you know, we, we try and cover that segment of the market very efficiently. And, and we have what I would say is a lot of solutions. I mean, there's not, a, you know, there's not one fund with one manager, but it's like, you know, solutions that we offer that are more diversified, more commingled, et cetera. So, so if, you, if you were looking to do that, you know, feel free to call me. And on the flip side, if, if somebody is looking, <coughs> excuse me, um, for help with fundraising. So I actually recently had a bunch of calls and meetings with people in our industry, in the private markets industry, who are in the community who wanted to have, you know, get some advice on, on fundraising, on marketing, on brand positioning, you know, people that are successful in growing their, their funds and wanting to grow, take them to the next level. But also anybody who comes through Madrid, uh, you know, should come and come and say hello. And, and obviously, if you're interested in organic farming as well, you know, that is, a, you know, my new big interest. Yeah, I, I want to spend some time with some goats. Uh, I, yeah, I, my I goats wanna, are I wanna, amazing. I, your goat farm. <laughs> I have to send you a photo of my goats. They're unbelievable. <laughs> Um, no, but I know uh, I'm. I'm going to go to your goat farm. Uh, I, I will. I will you see are, you in Madrid. You are all invited to the goat farm. There's mm-hmm. enough space for everyone, for sure. Wonderful, Pilar. This has been so much fun. Thanks. Thanks so much. Really, really good catching up. Thank you, Joe. Bye.